Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. So the Barclay Gallery here in Sharon was birthed in the idea that it was going to help us to set ourselves aside from the other brands Mm -hmm. and establish our culture and our family. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Canna Mom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. I am Joyce Gerber, and we are recording the show today at the beautiful Broccoli Gallery right here in my hometown of Sharon, Massachusetts. And we even have an audience. Woo! All right, so we are on the winter solstice, the longest night of the year. Maybe have some witchy magic going on here in the Broccoli Gallery and with my friends who we'll be talking with today. So, so what do you think, Dave? Easy commute? Yeah, all the way from, I made it all the way from Foxborough. So, yeah. <laughs> and of course, I'm a Sharonite as well. So, it's nice to see all the business brewing, as it were, on Route 1 here. That's true. I right mean, up the street from the stadium. When I was growing up here, there wasn't even a stoplight. So there's a lot more stuff going on in Sharon than That's when I was That's why there were so many accidents in Sharon Center. Do you remember? <laughs> we desperately needed a stoplight. Finally, somebody said, maybe there should be a stoplight. Now we have like three, maybe. Progress. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so I don't know if you've been noticing. We've only done a couple of shows in December because I'm giving myself a little chance to fill up for our 2024 slot today. We've got a lot of great guests coming up. For 2024, we have a medical professional, we've got business investors, we've got advocates, going to have a special panel of cannabis CPAs. That's Hmm. fascinating, but this is a (laughs) compliance industry. Cannabis PAs? 
Santa's PAs. <laughs> Santa PAs. Right. Santa PAs. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's a sure. yeah, I may trademark that. <laughs> yeah. So it's specialist. You need specialists, especially for the money. And these are business people we're talking to today. So they sure they have a good person who's helping them figure this out because you want to make sure you're doing it right. And yeah. So here we are. And just welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to our audience. Thank you for the listeners for sharing these stories. So together we're going to do crush our stigma around cannabis and caregivers. That's our goal. So before we begin, let's see. You do anything special for the new year, Dave? No, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, if I'm lucky, I get like 15 minutes to hang out with my son who's home from college, but completely has his own life now. Does not need dad. It's sad. It's sad. Even though you're a Canada dad now, does he know this? <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if he knows that. Oh, we're going to share. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes us so much better. And we have a couple of Canada parents, so we're going to talk about that. All right. I don't think I have much else. I'm not doing any culture corner. I just, I guess. Are they, your kids home for the holidays? So my son Josh, who entered the music introduction, mm. was Josh Lampkin. He was here for a couple of weeks, but he's back in Nashville doing his thing. And my daughter lives with us, so yeah, she's always home now. that's nice it is nice and i i wasn't into the whole emptiness thing i'm glad they're back can i admit that on here yes of course well you admit it on every show how desperately (laughs) i think i miss josh at this point because he's he's the perfect kid if you got if you guys didn't know if you didn't know know, we're not growing up but now he's a great musician and he's doing some work for the canna mom show he's building that hemp guitar which we've been talking about endlessly i'm trying to cook up a knee can if you're listening mark and i want to get this maybe do a tour of the hemp guitar at the different knee can shows and then somehow figure out how we're going to raffle it off, auction it off, sell it to somebody who wants it and make some money to support some of the causes that I'm involved with for Canna Moms, specifically helping make sure Canna Moms are safe and their stories are out there. I'm and still unclear. You, you you play a whole set of like Rolling Stones and Aerosmith songs, then you take it home and you smoke it, the guitar? I think so, yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> he might build a bowl into it. You can smoke it and play See, it. That would be cool. Why not? I think it's it's multitask. I'm going to get some pictures up. We're going to be talking about it a lot more. All right. So, Dave, just thanks for hanging with me in 2023. I guess I just want to put that out there. You've been awesome. I don't see you that often in person, so this is nice. It's great. And the love is mutual. It's been quite a journey. You were like one of my first clients at Pod 617. We used to record in the studio, which you haven't been to in like three years now. It's okay. (laughs) I get to see you today. But... The mission continues. The Canon Mom Show marches on. And I've been teaching you lots of new things. So I feel like That's you've, true. You, you've come a long way, Dave. I'm very proud of oh, you from thanks. the early days of me and Amy in the coming in and you're not quite sure what's going on. And now you can contribute to the conversation. <laughs> Imagine that. Yes. <laughs> thank you. The token Canna dude on the show. You can it, dude. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. So before, I guess that's all we need. And now we're going to just jump into our story today before we wrap it up for 2023. All right, so I'm not even, I don't even have a big introduction today. I'm just here with my friends, uh, Lynn and Brian Strahr. They're here at the Broccoli Gallery, which is theirs in Sharon, Massachusetts. And I'm just going to let them share their own stories. So they are a couple. Uh, they've been together for a while. So I don't know. Let's just start. Um, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. All right, so you have a new venture. I know Cap knows. We're going to get to that. You have this here, but... Actually, maybe let's just talk a little bit about Capnos and then kind of go backwards. Like, why did you choose that name, uh, and what's your mission right now? And whoever wants to answer that first. Well, first, we want to thank you and Dave for um, putting on the podcast. We love it. We look forward to it. <laughs> so we appreciate everything that you're doing uh, to support <laughs> the cause, and we know that you're uh, branching out into other causes as well. And we look forward to your insight and 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 Dave's input on that stuff as well. So we thank you for that, and yeah, 2024 is going to be a huge year for, 
for us all. We're looking forward to it. I agree. But you know, Lenny can start the story. This is podcast for women. And I'm here just for the eye candy. I think. We need our token men once in a while. That's usually Dave's job, so he's glad to have company. So, yeah, Lynn, so why, don't we just, why don't we just start, yeah, like the company, and then we can kind of go backwards how you met, how you figured out your love of cannabis, and how you got here. Okay. Yeah. So, Capnos Cannabis is our new company located in Sharon Mass. We're a two-tier cultivation. We just started to grow our little babies in the building about six weeks ago, so oh, yeah. we're very excited about that. Um Things are looking lovely over there, nice and green. And So are you a natural cultivator? Are you a grower by trade, or is that something you've learned? I am not, but we did hire a really fabulous, intelligent young man, Thomas Tweed, so we can have well, him. We'll talk to him a little bit afterwards. We get through your story. but All right, so you're growing your new strain, and what's the mission? Why did you, there's a lot of, there's a lot of businesses now in Massachusetts, so well, what did you want to do with Capnos that's a little bit different maybe? What's your mission? Okay, so we, well, originally we started with Four Daughters way back in the day. And what was Four Daughters? Four Daughters Compassionate Care was our first run at our dispensaries. Um, And what year was that? That was back in 2015. Oh, so early, very early in Massachusetts, so medical, medical only one. Medical only, In 2012, we applied as well in the first round of medical licenses, so cannabis has been something that Lynn and I have. Um, enjoyed all of our lives. Yeah, why don't we just start at the beginning? So yes. let's see, you, you okay. about, you're a couple. How long have you been together? 41 years. So quite a while. So you've mm-hmm. had a long cannabis love story. And yes. do you want to start? How did you meet and decide? Did you meet and discover cannabis together? Did cannabis bring you together? How did this really begin? We Definitely both. kept us together. <laughs> for sure. Both found I think cannabis that's true, before too. we found each other. Okay. And when did you meet? Met right after high school. Oh wow! So okay. So we've been together all that time. And were you originally from Massachusetts? Is this year? Yes, we both grew up in Newton, Mass. Oh, okay. You went to Newton South, and I went to Newton North. Okay. And and you are and, and you are you are a cannabis lover back in the day. Yes. Yes. And yes. this, <laughs> I've oh I am a Crohn's patient, and okay. So I've always had tummy issues, and mm-hmm. it's always been something that's helped me more than any of the traditional medicines that they've ever. And how, you know, so you grew up in my age or my era, so you grew up mm-hmm. with the it's bad for you, kills brain cells. You're a stoner and a loser if you use it. So how did you yes. figure out that it was helping you, and you kind of? I just sort of stumbled upon it helping me, yeah. and realized that it was that it was really something that I needed to help me. And this and this was in your. A young person, or is this when you're a little bit? Because a lot of the stories I hear are people like they're using it, they don't understand that it's actually helping them medically until mm-hmm. they get a little bit older and they think about it more consciously. And were you sort of in that phase? I, or I I realized right away because oh, it's very helpful in in helping my stomach aches mm-hmm. and to help me create my appetite to eat, which are both two important things Thanks. with Crohn patients. So I realized right away that it was something that was going to benefit me. And and how did your family know that this was something you were consuming when you were younger to help with your Crohn's? No, not no. right away, okay. of course. And and then when they did find out, they took a little bit of convincing. Mm-hmm. But then they saw how much it really helped me, so they were on board which, with that. Which is such a, it's such a kind of constant story in this industry, people who are able to have the fortitude I kind of talk about, like to sort of push off the negativity of what society is telling you and they're listening to their own bodies. And then when they're better, the people who love them can see that it's helping them too. So, yes. Yes. so what was your, were you more of a uh, dude? Uh, I was yeah. a rec- recreational user okay. from, from high school. So, okay. And I'm 61 years old almost. So 
So were you getting in trouble for being on the pod, or did your family know? Or? <laughs> no. I had uh, very understanding parents. They okay. preferred cannabis use over alcohol. That's very enlightened for the era. Yeah. yeah. And they encouraged me to sit in the basement with my friends and just chill out and not be driving around drinking and uh, getting into trouble. So that was kind of what we would do. We'd hang out and... So you're like a, so you're kind of like the, the, so I'm the same age and my parents would not have been very understanding, I don't think. But I have met a lot of, the women I really interviewed earlier on were from California who seem to have a whole different lifestyle out there than the people in Massachusetts. So you are sort sure. of living in that it's, sure. it's, it's illegal, but you're, you're not going to go to, we're not going to put you in jail and you're not going to go to <clears throat> hell or they're right. sort of okay no. with it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And we got through the seventies and the eighties yeah. and oh, growing up, I would call myself a legacy market person okay in 2010 is when we really dove into the medical aspect of cannabis because our sister-in-law had um, a brain tumor okay a glioblastoma and she was using cannabis to medicate we were getting that from okay uh, dispensaries in california in 2010 okay, okay. wasn't legal here in mass right. So that's when we realized, hey, there's, there's something to this. So you are, so you kind of, so you are comfortable with the plant. Obviously, did you grow it back in the day, or were you just really just more consumers, or what I, was your? I didn't start growing until we passed medical here in Massachusetts. Okay, that's a new skill set. And once we did that, yeah, in 2012, I was doing your okay. Doing my thing. All right, so in 2000, I didn't know this. So 2010, you're getting some. Uh, so are you, are you getting products that are smokable? Are you getting tinctures? Or what sort of things are you finding that are working for your sister? All of the above. Yeah, all of the above. We would get the Federal Express from her friends in Cali. Okay. And it just, it pro, it, the quality of life for her, she was on, it was a death sentence for her. Was, but she was able to smoke, she'd smile, she'd eat, and it really helped. And, and were you able to share this with her medical doctors here in Massachusetts? Was she in Massachusetts? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they were okay with her doing it because oh, they, they saw that it was helpful for her. And, and we just thought that everybody should have access to that. So we really well, that that's is a real, our push for to do the medical. So that's your why. So that's a big why. That's huge. Big why. So in 2010, I was diagnosed with cancer as well. Oh, okay. And took it upon myself to go out to California. I attended Oakshire Dam University yeah, no, for a yeah, while. Dale, yeah. And learned a lot about the plant. Okay. Uh, I met a lot of great people out there. Still have friends from out there. And then came back here and saw the the movement was starting to take place. So when you were when you Oakshire Dam, so what sort of things were you what did you think you were going to learn or what were you really learning out there that you maybe didn't affect? Cultivation primarily okay. and the business of cannabis because okay. the movement was starting to happen Rhode Island in 2010 approved medical and was taking applications. Mm -hmm. So I was actually involved with uh, a group in Rhode Island to apply it in the first round there. Okay. So so we're pretty close. So we're in the south part of Massachusetts, basically. So we're pretty close to Rhode Island. Right. Yeah. Not, yes, not so that Rhode Island's that big or that far away. But. And it was, <laughs> I had come back from Oaksterdam, so I, I had now had a lot more knowledge than a lot of the suits that were trying to get the licenses in Rhode Island, in particular, at that time, was mm -hmm. very. Uh, I mean, are you? I, I mean, it kind of frustrates me when I met people. So I started in two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, and we meet all these people who thought they're going to get rich in cannabis, but were so proud of telling me they didn't consume it or use it or understand it in any way. And it just, 
seemed really wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? And, yeah. And back in that round, too, it was you had to have your, your team of lawyers and doctors and your political people. You mm-hmm. had to assemble this humongous team to <laughs> look. Right. Yeah. So, so you're having, so you have your own medical issues that you're dealing with. Were you, were you talking to your own doctors about what were you using or how you were consuming? Um, you know, I was not. Okay. Um, but after that trip to California, like you said, it's so different out there, and the people just sit around talking about cannabis, and you you come back here and you scratch your head and you go, "Why isn't this happening here?" And mm-hmm. We've we've gotten there. It's now discussing cannabis with people at lunch. Oh, uh, everyone. You know, even if they're not in the industry, it's becoming uh, very common. Every, every, I'm sure everyone walks up to you and they have a story for you now. For they sure. yell across the street, hey, for Brian. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I sure do. Sure. All right, so you have your – so you're into this early medical. So who else right. were you seeing? You said the suits were coming in. Were you seeing who else was trying to um, get into the industry? And you're in – this community, was there any pushback here in Sharon or where were you? Uh, no, Sharon was very receptive oh, to were, okay. the medical concept. Okay. And we were able to get a host community agreement very early. I mean, it was helpful that we've lived here for a long time and we, mm-hmm. family is very philanthropic in the Jewish community in particular in Sharon. Yep. My Jewish uh, cannabis, my Jews and weed. I have a lot of Jews and weed. <laughs> so we had a good reputation and we built a solid team when we came in in 2015 and reapplied. Okay. And we were successful there and then started to try and raise $20 million for this dream that we had mm-hmm. and that became uh, probably the hardest thing in the in the whole journey of of the business was trying to raise money i mean capital we talk a lot mm-hmm. about this i mean even this banking so i talk about how when i started the podcast in 2019 i couldn't get a checking account and i don't touch the product sell the product do anything right. with the plant right. and no one would give me a checking account so these are serious. you're before, earlier and you're a plant touching cultivator so you must have had a lot of banking issues is there anything yeah, Stories. We had, well, we had no issues with the banks because they wouldn't talk to us. And, uh, <laughs> That's that right. We, had, uh, we were funding it ourselves in the beginning. And so you were really, really early pioneers. So when your family, mm-hmm. the people sort of around you, kind of watching you go through this, and nobody knows what's going on. I mean, no one's done it before, so you kind of do it on your own. Were people yes. surprised? We used. Do you think? I don't know. I guess if you had understood how hard it was going to be, do you think you would have jumped in? <laughs> I think mm-hmm. so. You're, you had a hard why. Yeah. You had a big why. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. So you go on yeah. this journey for, and who were you trying to raise money from and who was responsive to you? Who wasn't? Yeah. So we always thought raising money would be the easiest thing oh, really? for us <laughs> once we got the, the golden ticket, the license, and, right. and, the, and the host agreement and everything. And it was legal. We thought it was going to be the next big thing and had always anticipated friends and family. But once you start going around trying to raise, it's, it's it's a very difficult job to ask people for money mm-hmm. and and to stick to it and hound them. It's not my in my DNA to 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 do it. It takes a special kind of person that can go out and raise money, and, yeah. I, and it's a full time job. It's definitely a full time. And job. I was doing three other full time jobs at mm-hmm. the time. So so through some other people that we knew in the cannabis industry, we met some investors. Okay. And started plugging along with our, with our mission. Okay. And somewhere along the line, our, our investor that we found ended up not having the money they thought they said they were going to have. So, we found ourselves stringing along 
four different rents and properties. So, yeah, so how many? So, if people don't understand how this works, so in Massachusetts specifically, you need a host agreement from the community before you can even go get your license from the Cannabis Control Commission. Yes. And then if you find, or when you find the property, you are paying rent on all these things to keep them yours until you actually yes. get the license. So, th- I don't know if any of these have gone changed at this point. I know they're trying to change some of the host agreements. Plus you owe fees and all sorts of other things to the community. So mm-hmm. and all the legal fees and all the legal. Mm-hmm. And so how long were you kind of in this moment of it was two years two of years. Carrying everything and all the bills and people calling to collect their money and all the stress that goes with it, you know, leveraging all the money that we had. It was a real big leap of faith. Yeah. Um and it happened <laughs> in the the history of cannabis. Yeah. In Massachusetts in particular, we got caught up in the wave. Like, we were approved for medical in 2015, and mm-hmm. while we're trying to raise money, recreational passed. Right. And now we're, we also have a dispensary in Plymouth that we were okay. working on, paying rent for, but okay. it wasn't built out. But both Sharon and Plymouth were yes towns at the ballot in 2015. Mm-hmm. So... Now we're not just medical, we're recreational. Okay. So the whole world opened up to us at that point until Sharon and Plymouth decided they would let the residents of the town have another bite at the apple. Yeah, medical's okay, but we're not so sure about adults, so let's vote again. Oh, okay, so, so again, we're a, home rule, we're a home rule state. Our all local communities have a lot of power to decide what they want to do. Exactly. So there's Because I know in the beginning, a lot of towns stepped up and said, no, we don't want them in here. So right. you had to vote. Right, so, so we, we now... Yeah, we, and then we had to go back and vote again and well, fight, fight the ban in both towns. And while we're trying to raise raise money for, we don't know if we're medical or we're going to be wrecked. Yeah, and we're paying rent on all these different properties. So it was just an awkward time in the history in here in in the uh, state. But, but you were in it. I mean, you're again, we you're are, uh, you're you're pioneer. You're going through the different phases, going from medical, going to adult use, changing mm-hmm. the regulations. This is a compliance industry. You were doing everything right. You didn't just have a pipe dream. You had a team of professionals who were charging you money (laughs) to make sure that you were getting through. And you had to be good neighbors. I say this all the time about Mm -hmm. dispensary cultivations. You have to be extraordinarily good neighbors in your community or they're going to get mad at you when you live here. So Correct. Right. They all know where to find us. They all know where to find (laughs) you. All right. So so during the vote, did it get ugly? Did people not want it? Was it? It, There were some segments in town where there was definitely we had to – Spend thousands of dollars mm-hmm. for the lawn signs and the and the, get people to stand out. In front and what were what people's? Is it just a normal the normal fear people it have for cannabis? A, yeah, a lot yeah. of that right. uh, fear mongering. The sky is falling. And the children free for madness. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the only issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always the All children. Those, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. All those people that were against us, we'd like to get together for coffee with them and say we see nothing has happened here. yeah been, and you're getting revenue for your community all those fees those fees that you've been paying i know that stem haverhill is pushing back on this in a law case that all the terrible horrible things that you thought were going to happen that you needed this extra money for are not happening right and people are feeling healthier i mean they're feeling better i'm sure you're you must be getting a lot of credit from your community so all right so you yes, you're going to like this it. you're going to a and, new and, town hall and a new high school yeah. and we've contributed to those things so, so you so yeah, you it's did nice so cause <laughs> Sharon is uh, was like 98% residential and mm-hmm. very little commercial revenue right. so that was one of the things that helped so do you think so that so that did pass so people agreed and all right mm-hmm. yeah so okay. a year so late in the summer of 2000 
17, I okay. guess. So, and that was monumental for us. Right. Because uh, then we were able to talk to people uh, <clears throat> with um, a business performer that you mm-hmm. know included recreational and medical and and what that looked like and and so just in terms of you personally it's like i understand as a consumer medical i'm not paying the taxes but in terms of setting up your facility are there different again this is a very compliant uh focused industry so are there different compliances for medical and recreational or adult use or you want to call it not so much not so, okay i mean on the the dosage the dosage is different right, right. okay that's true but right. pretty much i think everything is Pretty very similar. Okay, so, so so it passes, and then you're still holding on to the licenses, and you're yeah. But now we're talking to multi-state operators that want to come into Massachusetts. We're talking to family offices that are interested in coming in. People mm-hmm. that actually have money, right? Not not the vision that we had visioned in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We had always thought it was going to be. Mom and, and mom and pop and yeah. family oriented. Bring our four daughters in. Yeah, the four. That's what, is that where the, that's where the name came from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. We haven't even hit on that. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> we do have four lovely adult daughters, and that we uh, raised in Sharon. And how old are they? How old are they? Thirty four, thirty two, twenty nine, and twenty six. All right, well, we can get back to the girls and your can of parenting when we get through the story. All right, so here we're like, so you got your licenses, you so have approval from the sti- from the city, from this town, the town of Sharon, the mm-hmm. city of Sharon. Yep, and we're, <laughs> we're sitting down with whoever is interested, and mm-hmm. we ultimately chose to out of there. necessity, really, because we knew we weren't going to be able to raise the twenty million dollars that we needed. Mm-hmm. We did a deal with Verano, who's a multi-state operator. Okay. They've been nothing but great for us. They've done a wonderful job fulfilling that end of the business mm-hmm. for, the, for what we proposed for the town and the residents and, and the neighboring towns. It, it's a very busy store. It's a great location. Okay. Zenleaf is the brand here that Verano goes under. So that is your dispensary that you are now owning, or do you still connect? How are you connected to that? We're the local licensee. Local licensee, okay. So we're very silent on what happens there, but we are still involved. All right, so that got open. All right, so now let's move forward. So then this <laughs> space that we're in, can you tell us a little bit about this space, what the vision of this space is? I know we talk a lot about consumption lounges in Massachusetts. I don't know where they are. I think they should look more like community centers, you know, with activities, which is kind of what this For space sure, looks like, sure. that you come in, you have friends, you aren't alone consuming. You can do it during the middle of the day if you're a mom or an elderly person or someone, do a class, and then go home. That's what I think. But, you know, let's talk about your gallery. What's here and what's your vision? Well, the broccoli is Lynn's other child, so. <laughs> okay. So the broccoli gallery here in Sharon um, was birthed in the idea that it was going to help us promote Capnos okay. as a brand. It was going to help us to set ourselves aside from the other brands and mm-hmm. help to establish our culture and our family and our business. So, so that was like a, so it's a mark, not a mark, but it's a, this is what Capnos wants to be and this is something that represents that vision. So yeah. Yes, yeah. and at the same time it is a legitimate art gallery. We partnered with a friend of ours from childhood uh, Carl McLaurin. He's got some beautiful pieces. I was here a little while ago when you did the breast cancer event. So yeah, really yes. beautiful art pieces. It's a, it's so sunny and lovely here. It's in the middle of the day. It's really beautiful. Thank Can you. I ask a stupid question? Why is it called the Bar- Broccoli Gallery? 
Well, the broccoli is a reference to cannabis. It allows us to market it on social media without getting blocked. Oh, see? You you, if you had been the, the broccoli mom, the bank wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have given you any problems. We Very clever. Uh, and, and again, that's a whole other ridiculous marketing thing for cannabis. We have some other our audience members know this really well, that we try to do some work around without being too sneaky, but you want to make sure people understand what you're talking about. So, yes, yeah, yes. broccoli and, gallery. And we encourage uh, cannabis use here at the broccoli gallery. Yeah, we are we cannabis use. friendly. And so to we the extent do have... that the law allows us to be, which is... <laughs> And as, as a side note, as a funny anecdote, uh, we have four daughters, mm-hmm. and our youngest nick, nickname is Broccoli Rob. Her name is Rob, and so we would also call her Broccoli. <laughs> and now we've once we named the gallery the Broccoli Gallery, her sisters are like, hey, what are you doing naming the place after you? <laughs> <laughs> so girl, you know, it's like... <laughs> Just keeping score. Like, no, no, no. It's slang for cannabis. We had this. Like, yeah. right, I'm, I'm, I'm one of four kids. I totally am down with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. All right. So you have this space and then. So this beautiful gallery, yes, that we filled with this amazing art mm-hmm. from Oak Hill Consulting Group. Mm-hmm. And they are mostly artists of color because that is something that's important to us to represent the. Yeah. And I would like to back up a little bit yeah. to say that as part of Lynn and our mission, for a long time, we've been mentoring social equity and economic empowerment applicants okay. that come out of the cohorts at the CCC. And I know, and you were just involved. We just talked a little bit about the, the econo- economic the opportunities mm-hmm. network. Is that what it, UN? Yes. Yeah. So you yeah. were just you were very right. involved with that. Yeah. That's yes. one of your organizations you support. Yes, absolutely. Right. We're big fans of Eon. Um, and all that they do for the economic empowerment and social equity and applicants. And- which again, uh, I think, when I mean, if you don't know anything about how these dispensaries owners are working, they have to be really I'll say it again, really good neighbors, and you have to commit to things that other businesses, a shoe business doesn't have to do this, even a liquor business doesn't have to say, "I am going to support the new firehouse," or "I'm going to like give all the kids who are playing baseball new T-shirts," or whatever they're asking these communities are like no, kind of extortion. They, they don't, but we're breaking <laughs> but, 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 through in a new industry yeah. here, and we, so you were, we're being extra nice neighbors and making sure that we're seen in a different way that maybe they don't understand cannabis would be seen in. So you're right, really to help us normalize exactly. And, yes. And and you're, and again, if we can make, I talk a lot about the plant as a caregiver. This industry should be built in her image of the caregiving industry. Not all the big, and I know you're involved with some MSOs, but we also know there are some businesses that aren't doing that. And yes. you are really kind of following through on what you're saying you wanted to do and what you are doing. So that's really, I mean, that's powerful. And the people yeah, who are doing the right that. should like be supported, right? Yes, For sure. And yes. part of our diversity plan with the with Capnos is to offer 50% of our product from Capnos to economic empowerment applicants okay. and social equity applicants, mm-hmm. give them a chance to, you know, to grow their business. And it, it again, I'm not sure why it's so expensive. That's a whole other podcast to talk about why it's so <laughs> expensive to be in this industry. But if you don't have the capital, you don't have the resources, you're not going to kind of move forward. And yes. it's a very hard industry to raise money in, partly because of the banking, partly because of the business model, partly because it's just it is. So to have people out there who are actually willing to sort of step forward and do this work is living in that whole like scarcity mindset. A lot of us live in that. You are not living in that. You're actually living something different. So that's really a beautiful sentiment to try and offer any tidbit of advice that we can and tell our can story. And 
So some of the, the learn from our mistakes. And and like, so let's talk about Capno. So this is sort of like you've been doing this for quite a long time. You've gone through a lot of the history. I mean, like you are the pioneers in Massachusetts, and now you are here with a new venture. So we can just talk a little bit about more what's going. Is Thomas here, Tommy? Oh yeah, we, maybe we'll bring a cultivator in a couple cool, of minutes. Cool. Yeah, talk about Capno's is a tier two cultivation facility. Okay, um, and just explain what a tier two is. Five to ten thousand square feet of canopy. Okay. So a, a small, uh, smaller facility. And how much? Uh, how much? I don't even know what the question is. How much can you produce? <laughs> uh, we hope to produce three to four thousand pounds a year. Okay. Uh, harvesting every few weeks. Actually, it'd be better to bring Thomas okay. in for this. So welcome, Thomas. Yep, Tom. Uh, uh, Tom. Tom. All right. Thomas. So welcome. So you're a cultivator. You're the lead cultivator at yeah, the director cabinet? of cultivation. For and us. so, sort of, how did you get into cannabis? And how did you learn how to grow? And what are you doing? That and I will say, I've been trying to grow my own for years. I suck at it. I'm trying again. I don't know what is wrong with me. I can only grow in children, so maybe I should take some pointers. So, yeah, so how did you get into it? And trying, trying, trying. Try, okay. Started smoking at a young age, and we were buying weed. And Necessity. Like, well, yeah. Why don't I just? I growing it myself, so I okay. grew a couple of plants in the backyard. Did you grow up around here? Yeah, I grew up in Central Mass. In okay, so, all right. So, um, and, uh, did your parents know that you were growing in the backyard? Or? No, the neighbors did though. So I was growing a couple of plants outside. Didn't really know what I was doing. And how did you get your seeds? How do you even like know how to begin? I just had some bunk weed that had some. Oh yeah, seeds in back it. in the day. Back in the day, you could just yeah. like shake it out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I just Grew a couple plants, didn't know that there was a difference between males and females. I oh, had no idea what I was doing. And it's pretty. I didn't know it was pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> plants, so I got a couple of harvests under my belt, okay. and I ended up going to school in Colorado, University of Colorado. All right. I had a neighbor that was a caregiver right. and started helping them out, and then never really thought I'd end up growing weed, ended up moving back home. Next thing I knew, I ended up getting a job at one of the first medical dispensaries in Massachusetts at okay. Airmont, and okay. from there is bloomed awesome all right so you're a natural green thumb and yeah. all right so what's going over at capnos how do you i have actually been in some growth facilities mm-hmm. they look like willy wonka factory to me everything yeah. is like you, you have to be clean you have to your hoodies on you got to like go through each little section every room is a little bit different so just if you want to give a little overview of what it looks like and what maybe what you're growing and why you've chosen to grow those uh, plants yeah, for sure so yeah. usually facility i tell people it's an indoor farm but it's also a medical facility so okay. farms are very dirty mm. Medical facilities have to be very clean. Very clean, yeah. So we keep it very clean. We have our uniforms. We're growing about 15 different strains right now. 15, okay. Yeah, which is manageable. And is it a two-tier? How do you... We have, so our our veg in our mother room, where Mm -hmm. you start the plants, Mm -hmm. are only single-tiered with LEDs. Mm -hmm. Our flower rooms are two-tiered LED. Okay. So that means we have two-tiered stacked. Plants. So we have about a foot off the ground. We have our first tier, and about seven feet above that, we have a second tier of plants. So okay. we can grow twice as many. Okay. And were you involved with? And there's a lot of minutia, but were you involved with the lighting decisions? I know there's like a lot of decisions for each every facility. Every there's so many decisions for everything, but just the grow room must have a million different decisions. Right. Yeah. So they had a consultant come in and help, and I helped kind of finish the job with them. Okay. So the big thing with these places is how to keep environmentals. Steady, right? Mm-hmm. You always want about 74 degrees. When lights are on, lights get very hot. So mm-hmm. you need to have that climate be perfect while you have the perfect. So if it's too, too hot, what will happen to it? Too hot, you can grow mold. Oh, mold. And that's a big one. All right. And too cold? Too cold, you can also grow mold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I hate mold. Well, yeah. I had a microbiologist on the show once, yeah. and the things she knew about it, like, I don't want to know about any of that. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so you really want to keep keep it the perfect temp and the perfect okay. humidity for the plants and keep them nice and happy and indoor grow like this. Okay. And, like, so just a grow, you say you're harvesting how, how many times a year? Jeez, we're harvesting every two weeks. Every two weeks. And how long does a plant take from seed to harvest? From seed to harvest is about 14 weeks. Oh, that's quick. Yeah. That's fine. Wow, okay. And what are you getting off of each plant? How does that work? I usually get a third of a pound off each plant. Right. I, do, I always say when I – so I talk about having my cannabis awakening in Colorado back in 2016, but the yeah. thing that really was the most awakening part was going into the grow facility. Yeah. And it wasn't just a dude on his couch eating Cheetos. He, like, really – he knew all the minutiae, what, the lighting, the water, the temperature. Like it is, there's a lot to know about this to make sure the plant grows properly. Yeah, you gotta know a little bit of plumbing, a little bit of HVAC, all the while also knowing your horticulture. And you gotta make sure there's no mold. It's, and it's it, science. It, it is a science. strain has a different recipe to make it grow perfectly. So. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have, she said you're about 15 strains you're growing. Mm-hmm. So, how do you decide which ones you think you want to grow? What are you? What are your uh, so parameters? We talked with Lynn and Brian about this that we kind of want to grow some. Some newer strains, but also some old school strains too. That and do you base it on THC, terpene? How do you decide what it is that you're looking for? It's a little bit of all of it, right? Some that are definitely high in THC, but also some that have more of a broader cannabinoid profile. Okay, something that we can all kind of agree on. Something that you can smoke all day Mm -hmm. versus something that a couple hits and. You're ready for bed. And were you, so again, you started in the medical world, obviously. So yes. Lincoln stopped in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you were trying to figure out what strains to grow for the medical population, are they any different than what you're really growing for your adult use? Is that a decision? And, and, and do medical people come to you for specific strains? How does that work? Mostly they're coming to us and saying that they have a, a certain problem or an ailment, and then we're trying to match them okay. to a strain that would be helpful for them. Okay, and that's sort of how you're doing in the... Yeah, so there's certain strains that if you're looking for increased appetite, we could grow blueberry pie that anybody here can smoke and you'll end up eating all day. Or Okay, and what is it, so I know a little bit about, so what is it about blueberry pie that is the thing that you think is helping people get their appetite back, and how, how and if they can't find, this is what I'm always concerned with, or... I think about a lot. So I can never tell what's really the thing that I love about it. And I find a strain I love and I try to figure out the terpene profile and the teeth, all of it. And then they don't have it. And they don't have and it. I try yep. to find something that's, that's comparable and it's like very irritating to me. So <laughs> how do you figure out what's in these, the, what you're growing and how do you figure out if something else is comparable? Do you go by the terpene? Do you go by the cannabis? Yeah, it's kind of, well, it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah, yeah. It's that entourage effect with right. the terpenes and the cannabinoids all together. And with that, it's up to the person itself yeah. to try it out, which is the difficult part. And I think it's a part of it is intention too. I think sometimes yeah. when you're, but all right. So you, and then the testing lab to give you all the accurate data mm-hmm. and to help you dial it in and keep it consistent. Yeah. So when, I mean, so back in the day, you probably weren't testing anything, but you kind of knew this. But you knew, yeah. you know, what you liked to grow, and you knew what it smelled like, you knew what it felt like. And are you finding? Are you surprised now that you have to send everything out for testing, like what's coming back? Not that surprised, but okay. I'm glad we have to do it too, right? Okay. It's, it's something that kind of levels the playing field. And it's good to know as a consumer too, right, to know that yeah, you know, somebody's not spraying some crazy chemicals and right. to say your product's not heavy, full of heavy metals. Yeah. Or All right, so someone is coming in. I have a lot of my friends who don't know anything about flour. When I say flour, they think I'm talking about flour, like literally <laughs> flour. <laughs> well, they are just as pretty. They are. Yeah. Um, 
So when people come in, what should they be looking for? It's it's a little bit hard to figure out what you're buying because everything's packaged and tied up. But if they get it home, what should it look like? What should the bud smell like? How should it be sticky? Like what are the things that people should actually be thinking about when they're bringing their flower home? Yeah. So when you open it up, you definitely should get a good aroma. Mm-hmm. And then the feel of it is really matter so it should be a little bit spongy just a little bit if you pick it up and you hold it and it breaks apart super easily it's too dry it's too dry okay and if you pick it up and you can stick it against the wall it might be a little bit (laughs) too wet all right and that's from the curing how do you get that perfect from dry cure process so we'll dry and cure it for two weeks in our dry room at about 60 and 60, as they say, which is 60 degrees at 60% humidity. Okay. And then we cure it in our, we have a special bag securement. Okay. At at 60% humidity. And the humidity height is important. Why? Mold? Yeah. Is it all mold? mold. It's always mold. (laughs) Wow. Mold. All right. Well, not just mold, because you also, at that certain humidity, you'll have optimal amount of your cannabinoid profile with the terpenes. All right. And then, I don't know, just a first, like, so what do you, now that you know so much, the minutiae, what do you find is really the things that you love that you maybe didn't understand before, what kind of terpenes or maybe the content? Is there anything you've learned from having to test everything so you actually know what you're consuming? Yeah. I think what was surprising is finding all the different terpenes within the plants themselves, Mm -hmm. right, and how they work with just THC, CBD, CBN, all those I found to be wild. Yeah. And are you breeding? I know people are talking a lot about CBN now for sleep. Are you breeding any sort of plants specifically for sleep issues? We're or? not breeding any plants yet, but oh, which? yeah, we hope to. The issue with breeding plants is you have to bring male plants into a building. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets a little tricky. You don't want those boys around. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> troublemakers. They, they are. are troublemakers. <laughs> yeah. Let me just wear my window. Oh, actually, this time is going by. All right, so that person, I'm making a lot of noise, Dave. And just like a personal question, sometimes I ask people, what is your favorite thing to consume now? And have you found like growing cannabis has changed your relationship with it? Like all the time? I mean, no. <laughs> you're with it all the time? <laughs> I've always loved growing, like I said, blueberry pie or, mm-hmm. or just smoking a sour diesel, something that you can smoke all day is always really nice. And I do enjoy edibles too, like really high CBD and low THC Okay, edibles are my go-to as well. Awesome. Thank you, Thomas, for joining yes, us for and me. sharing what you knew. I'm going to bring yep. Brian back yep. to going up and thank you, Thomas. come on down because we're going to be having thank some, you. obviously knows what he's doing. <laughs> All right. I think we're just coming up on time. All right. Not yet. Not yet. Yet. <laughs> I know. That's your, that's your Philip music. Oh, that's my transition that's, music. Yeah, that's I thought music. I'm not used to doing live shows. All right. So here we are. That was, thank you for joining us. Um, I guess just back to Cabnos. Like again, we talked a lot about your social equity work. We talked about being a woman in cannabis. Oh, actually, we didn't talk about parenting. Mm-hmm. Can all right. So your girls are adults now. Yes. What was your relationship with cannabis when they were younger? And how were you when you had pretty progressive cannabis? Heavy drug? consumer. <laughs> Four daughters. Four. We, we did keep it private from them when they were young. Oh, you, you did. Know? Okay, they were a part of. The, the D.A.R.E. program when they were growing up. Oh, they were. So that they ran that through the Sharon. So I've actually system. met people in the industry who are leaders in their high school. So were they actually in D.A.R.E. or they just had to be there? It was just something that everybody had to do when they were in. And so were they school. concerned about you? Like, what did they? We didn't want to put them into a position where they would have a conflict. So we, okay. we kept that private from them. Okay. Until they were older. And 
We could explain it to them and they could understand. That's funny. So I had a couple of weeks ago, I had a woman on and she was talking about how her and her husband used to smoke in the basement and just didn't think the kids knew. And one day her daughter was like seven or eight said, how come our house always smells like skunk? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, the kids always, and now what, so I also talk about how I had a late cannabis awakening. And then once my kids were teenagers, I told them everything I knew was wrong. They were excited about that. And then during COVID, like, we were really nice to each other. I would much rather be in lockdown with a stoner than a drinker. That's what I learned. And I think it's, and just in terms of marriage, Mm -hmm. I've been married for many years, over 32 years. And we talk to each other. We sit on the porch and we talk to each other. And I just think it's been really good for us. So that's. This is my couple's therapy <laughs> session. So <laughs> do you think it's been good for you? Like just little sure. family relationships. Yeah. For absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I think yep. it makes you a more docile parent, more patient parent mm-hmm. and partner as well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting that of our four daughters, three of them consume cannabis. Mm-hmm. One doesn't. And the one that doesn't should consume cannabis. <laughs> it would help her uh, immensely. It's, I, maybe it's like the reverse. Like the kids always wanted to use it because we said it was so bad and dangerous. And now kind of my joke is that these kids are raised by the canna moms. I know they just, it's just a thing. They don't care about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe it makes it so uncool they don't even want to use it. I don't know. <laughs> it goes the other direction. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've been fortunate enough to, again, go through this time in history where cannabis is being accepted the way it is now. And it's a lot easier to talk to your kids about it. And. It's, I think it will be a better overall for society that this is happening and more dialogue between parents and kids it will help. It won't hurt things, that's for sure. No, this is the, it's a helpful thing in all the kind of drama that we've been going through. When we talk a lot about kids having anxiety and everything that they've been through, and this is not, I'd also talk about not everyone has access to medical care. This is something we seem to be forgetting, and that cannabis has always been used by people for medical, I mean, you know yourself, yes. for a long time, even without medical professionals on board. But there are a lot of people, my mother I talk about, she just was so nervous about it because she didn't understand how it worked with her other medications. Her doctor did not understand how it, it worked either. So she was very afraid to even try it. So I think this next generation sees it. It's a tool in the toolbox. We're normalizing it by talking about it. And it should just be another tool. Yes, For absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And so. our generation as well that didn't doesn't want to smoke but the edibles and the bombs and the tinctures are they're really something special and we again are we've turned on a lot of senior citizens to uh cannabis and that you would never think would would try it and then use the soft so that they can help with their arthritis or the gummies that help them just feel yeah. overall better. Yeah, I think it's a, that's, that I have, I carry a lot of I, uh, the healing rose. I'll give her a shout out. I love the yes. healing rose. I get her samples and I give them out to people and then it's like a gateway drug for them. They're like, oh, yes. what else Crazy, you got? Right? But again, women my age and older, we know the least about cannabis. We probably need it the most. We are allowed to drink and take pharmaceuticals, but are still, again, Going into a dispensary, my friends still feel a little uncomfortable. And you, you can see how it is to come into a dispensary. You have to show your ID several times. You don't necessarily know what products you want. There's a lot of stuff there, so it's a little overwhelming. So we're doing that too. Us, you know, I mean, your friends. What do your friends say to you now? Well, that's Are where the bud tenders come in yeah. to help people, help them to figure out which product is best for them and to help them have a nice, uh, calm, and wonderful and. Uh, experience positive because again if you don't have you know, i don't know what your friends are saying if they thought before but you know mm-hmm. you guys are a really good 
again, I, I play tennis, I wear pearls, I talk about cannabis all day long, <laughs> and I'm bringing people into this world yes. that wouldn't actually think they want to be here. So I don't know if you're seeing that as well with your people you're seeing in Sharon so and yes, other people. You, people are feeling much more comfortable to come into the uh, Zenly facility to pick up whatever they need. For you sure. Know, it's, uh, uh, all all age demographics are, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are, are trying for the first time and enjoying it. It's not what that I what should, they were told. I should be it's afraid of. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be exactly. afraid of it. And these people are out there telling you that too. All right. So we're actually up on time. Let's see. Cap knows. What's the next step? What's happening with you? Where's it going to be? What's uh, going we on? We should be hitting the shelves of the dispensaries around the beginning of March with flour and pre-rolls. Are you doing pre-rolls? All right. And what are some of your favorites? Exciting. We have Cherry Pie going over there. Okay. We have Sunday Driver, which we like a lot. We have a Super Booth, which is really Oh, I love Super right Booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real tasty. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I like the fruity. I like the fruities too, yeah. Health of ours, All right, so, so you're going what you like. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're doing <laughs> first round. That's the beauty of it. And how are you feeling? How's your health? Are you Very good, thank you. Yeah, good, good. really great. Yeah, and yours are you? So now that you know how to use this, have you found other products that work better for your crowns? Obviously, you've been doing this for a while, but... I yeah. have, yeah. yes, but usually smoking yeah. is the best. And, had, and are you involved with the organizations at all to talk about this? Are they open to hearing what you have to say? I've been a part of a few groups, okay. but nothing nothing to all speak of. All right, well, we're out there. You're changing the world by just being yourself. So thank you for joining us. And what's thank the best you. way people want to come out, find you, reach you, connect with you? Hey, have, an look, event, have an event here? I don't know. It's a beautiful space. Yes, you can you. find us on Instagram, Capnos. Canico, and you can find the Broccoli Gallery on Instagram as well. Find out some things that are coming up for us. We've got some exciting things happening here. Oh, yeah. What well, do you want to do? What shout out? Do you want to do any shout outs for 2024? Or the 2024, yeah. yes. Um, just we've been working with the Weedaker Group. The Weedaker? They're very good, I hear. <laughs> they are the best. Awesome. They've been working with us for about a year on the brand launch okay. and the building the brand awareness and been attending all their events and taking a space out at their events. So we're really look, thankful for, for what they've brought to the table. We will be at NECAN in March. Excellent. I'll uh, be there. Yep. When we roll out with the product, we'll be there giving away lighters. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I'll be there. As we know. Lighters. lighters. There'll be lighters, people. Um, all right. And the so Broccoli Gallery will have, be having some events where we'll be highlight, highlighting some new artists. Um, Physical artists, poets, musicians. Hope to. We'll do the I hemp like guitar. It. We'll have to do the hemp guitar show out here. Yes. Yeah. All right. This Love. Is, perfect. You'd like that? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Brian. Thank, thank you, Lynn. You. Thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you, you to Joe. my audience. Thank I love you. having a lot of people. Like, Woo-hoo. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having us. All right. Another show, people. That's it for 2023. So for my guest right here in the Broccoli Gallery in beautiful Sharon, Massachusetts, and of course for my Cannabro, David Jazz, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannabum Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the amazing stories of the women and men building the new industry so that together we can crush that stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannabom Show at the Broccoli Gallery, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.